All right, welcome to another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. As always, I'm your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary sales coach and creator of this inspiring podcast. You can check me out at aliciabarr.com. Our podcast is all about impactful live sales coaching sessions with people just like you and valuable interviews with six and seven figure earners to find out their mistakes to the top so we can avoid them. Make sure you're on our distribution list to never miss out. So in this episode, we're going to talk to somebody who has one of the best stories that I know of in the entrepreneur community. If anybody knows anything about marketing and entrepreneurism, it's all about the rags to riches story, the transformation. So Zachary Babcock is the CEO and founder of Underdog Empowerment, and he's gone from five years in prison to building a six-figure business. Welcome to the big show, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. I love the whole sales is not a dirty word concept and we could go into that, but I just think it's so awesome because if you're heading into 2020 thinking sales is slimy, you're already losing. Uh, and there's a, if you don't believe in what it is that you're selling, yeah, I mean, you don't, if you believe in what it is that you're selling, you don't feel slimy because you know it can change lives. Simple as that. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So excited to have you. And it's so true. I, I talk about that. You know, a lot of people feel like maybe they're, they're not, good at sales because they're a good person. And it's like, no, you're not doing any favors if you're not a anybody any favors if you're not able to sell them what you've got if you've got something quality. Yeah. Because <laughs> then they're going to be sold by somebody who's good at selling and has a bad product instead. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. If you're, if you're, even if your mission is to impact as many people as possible, well, if you have a product that can positively impact people when it's selling as much as you humanly possibly can, so you can make more humanly impossible or humanly possible impact, wouldn't that make sense? You know, I, I, I get it. Um, but yeah, uh, sales is everything. Everybody sells on every single interaction that they make with every single human being. Well, and actually I was talking to somebody the other day pointing out that we actually sell ourselves. It's very important to sell ourselves on like why, I mean, you had to sell yourself on not letting prison define you and that you had a set of skills that were beneficial to the rest of the world, that you can make a difference and you have to sell yourself first before you can use those same points to sell someone else. 100%. I love that. I love that you brought that up. It's true. Yeah. I mean, if you, every interaction you could think of is persuasion in some way, shape or form. It's true. <laughs> so you got out of prison and then you tried a lot of different things. So I want our listeners to learn from those things that you tried. What were the, what was the first thing <laughs> that you tried? Wow. Um, I first tried to get a job and that didn't pan out. <laughs> <laughs> so first mistake, don't try to get a job. <laughs> As a convicted felon, no, it's just not going to work. I mean, you probably get like a little under table paying job somewhere, but I couldn't even find that this time, that second time around after getting out. Um, so the next thing I tried was network marketing. Uh, it's funny because at the time I didn't know what network marketing was, Alicia, but uh, so you couldn't even scare me off the word pyramid scheme. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm grateful for the industry because I did it for about two years. It ended up not being my thing. But it taught me so much. It was like a it was like a school for entrepreneurship for me because uh, mm -hmm. it taught me so much. And it 
it introduced me to personal development in the first place. I didn't even, I didn't even read books before then. They know it. There were self-help books out uh, and business books. And then, um, and more importantly, you know, I was able to create a, it, 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 I was able to create a life by design. It, it showed me that my past didn't have to dictate my future. So forever grateful for that industry. All right. Which network marketing company did you try? I was in Zango, which is no longer a company now. Uh, about eight months or so after I left network marketing in 2017, they got bought out by a company that's called Zija that I believe owns them still to this day or is now just a company or whatever. But yeah, that's what I, the one I was in. What was the product? Uh, Zango juice, which is a anti-inflammatory. It's mango scene, which is a fruit that's in uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, and it's like, has, it's really good for anti-inflammatory, which if you know, like that's like inflammation is like the cause of like most diseases or whatnot. So that was the main product. And they also had other like natural health drinks and, sh and shit like that. Can you cuss on here? My bad. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so did you, um, make any money with it? Yes. So, um, I know most people never make any money network marketing. I built, uh, almost a $2,000 a month residual income within my first six months, simply put because I was hungry and because I was going to go out and make it happen. Um, and I just went out and did it. Uh, you know, I was coming out of prison. Now that's not like rich by any means at all, but let's well, take a look at prison it is. It was a game changer. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even get a job to pay, you know, for my kids and whatnot and, and to live and to be able to have that opportunity. Like I was so grateful for it and I took it in and I ran with it. And then what did you do? Why did you got out of it? Why did you get out of it? And what did you shift to? I lost my passion completely of it. Uh, and my business crumbled as a result. It went, I went from almost making $2,000 a month to making five to $600 a month after auto pay. Um, and so business crumbled because I just lost my passion for it. Um, and I'm not, not, I'm not knocking network marketing as a whole uh, because there's good companies and bad companies out there. Uh, and good people and bad people in the industry out there, just like in every single other industry and everything else in life, there's good and bad and everything, right? Um, however, I was taught to just blow through a list, my friends and people that I knew, and just treat people like a list and either get them to join the product or the company. And if they didn't keep it moving, and so I was burning relationships and in the process, and it just didn't align with who I was. So that was the reason why I ended up leaving. Right on. That makes sense. So what was the next thing that you tried? <laughs> uh, becoming a life coach. And I didn't make a single penny or a single dime or help a single person as a life coach. And I struggled with that for like a year and a half. Shit. <laughs> what were you yeah. doing to try to make it happen? Dude, this is before I really like got super deep into psychology. Like I always been drawn to psychology, but I never did study it. Like I learned literally the best psychology class I ever had was the four years I did in prison, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and playing poker and stuff. But, uh, but, um, I really started getting deep into psychology and marketing, uh, and developing my skills as I was trying to become a life coach. And because the reason why I didn't make any money is because I didn't, I, I wasn't solving a specific problem for a specific person. Didn't know what the hell I was doing. My message was all over the place. And I would say things like, Oh, I'll help you achieve your goals. Like who in the, who, who wants that shit? Who's going to pay you money for that? Does that? There's nothing specific. There's nothing tangible. Okay. Yeah, exactly. 
And so that's uh, one of the main reasons why I kept bashing my face into brick walls. So then what did you do after life coach? Yeah. I, <laughs> and this is a really good lesson. And uh, this is something that I'm so grateful that happened. And it was also painful. I was like, I was told that you had to, that entrepreneurs didn't really want to pay for personal development stuff because they're kind of already there. They want to, they want to know how to make more money in their business. So you got to become a business coach. Like, okay. And so I, I did that. And then it just, it felt slimy because here I am trying to be a business coach and I'm broke as fuck. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, can you, can totally. You I mean, it's the same with life coaching. You shouldn't. And that's a trend that's happening in the market right now. People are coaching on things that they haven't achieved themselves yet. Amen. Amen. Like it, it that's dry. It grinds my gears too. I, you, you see, we're connected on social. Like sometimes I'll be pretty vicious to it because I feel like doing good versus making someone happier two completely different things. And so you could say, you could give a kid candy every single day and it'll make that kid happy. But is right. that doing good for that kid? Right. Hell, hell no. You know, it can, can, can get overweight and be and get diabetes and die from a disease because it is eating can like whatever. So same thing. Like I, I will say things that I feel will help you do good for you and help maybe. And, and I'm not perfect dude. And, 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 and I learned, and I, I got a cool story about this, but, uh, but I'll say things though that'll do good versus making you happy. I don't care if you if you like me or if it makes you happy, but if it helps you improve the quality of your life as a human being, that's a win. Yeah. So you're about value first, and it might be hard to hear. You're not gonna not say it because it might be hard to hear. Amen. Yeah, a little bit of tough love actually do some good though. I, that's one of my beliefs. I mean, I, I believe it too. I think there are ways you can deliver the message that are a little less harsh, but sometimes some people can't hear it unless it's harsh. Yeah. You, you hit it right there. So some people, you got to deliver it certain ways because some people, they, their self-confidence and self-esteem is so low that if you do deliver it so harsh, it can crack them completely. And then they could end up going like to the worst extreme, end up killing themselves because of that. And then if that happens, then you didn't, you didn't get the, the job done of what you're trying to do in the first place. So you always got to, you got to approach it with a, with empathy. You got to, and you got to be able to know who it is that you're delivering the message to so it's kind of a tough line and uh you know that you got to walk at at times well and that like embodies sales like what you just said Amen. um <laughs> so after so then you try to be a business coach <laughs> so what happened with that all right so here it is this this before i got to the business coach i launched the podcast and i launched the podcast underdog empowerment because anytime I tried to collaborate with any entrepreneur, um, nobody took me seriously. I was just the ex-convict turned entrepreneur afterthought that nobody gave the time of day to. Man, and, I thought that that would make them want to work with you more. Right? No, it, it was like it was like we're like, man, who is this? You know, and because you know, I wouldn't, I didn't have any track record, hadn't built up any skills yet, and I didn't have any network or anything. I didn't have anything to offer for real, other than just a, a cool story. Uh, I hadn't really developed these skills yet. So, so it was out of that, out of that pain and frustration of nobody giving me the time of day, I was pissed. And, and so I decided to launch the underdog empowerment podcast and, uh, got it ranked on day three interview, Billy Gina's marketing the following week. And then it's just been a snowball effect ever since with the podcast, but it was crazy because within one week I went from nobody giving me the time of day to interviewing celebrities in one week. So it was like, it was crazy. Right. But I still wasn't making money. And I still was struggling. This is, 
you know, I, I didn't make any money online for four and a half years after I got out of prison. Um, other than the network marketing in, in the, in the beginning part. Uh, and so I had this guy I teamed up with, he had this program, right? And this, I feel like this is a really valuable lesson. It's a little bit of a long winded answer. I usually like just have a dialogue, but this is kind of important. He had this program that had over uh, 20 million in revenues and over a thousand successful graduates. And it was lead gen customer acquisition and scaling a business. And so we repurposed this program, took this exact program and was putting it out to my audience with me being like the face of it with the podcast and everything. And we were bringing people in. However, I felt like a maggot. I felt like a sleazeball. I felt like an imposter because I'm sitting here trying to achieve what I'm teaching by teaching it. And it was just ass backwards, yeah. you know, and it was just like a whole circle jerk. I felt slime. That's the, when sales feels slimy, when you're selling something that you haven't done or don't believe in, right? you know, you know, and, um, and so that didn't align with my values. And so it was really tough to do, but I made a post on Christmas day, 2018 was like, Hey, look, this is what I was doing. You know, this is what happened. You know, it's a legit program. However, I don't feel right teaching it because I haven't achieved this yet. So I'm pulling the plug on it. I'm going back to the drawing board. I don't know exactly what it is I'm going to do, but I, this is the right thing to do. So I'm going to go do it. And it was hard to put that post out there and put myself out there like that. Super but, vulnerable. Yeah, really vulnerable. Being real for real, like unlike a lot of these fake entrepreneurs that say be vulnerable or whatever, you know, because <laughs> they throw that buzzword around. <laughs> but it really was. It was tough. And but it ended up Alicia was like one of the smartest things I could ever did because I had so many people reach out to me afterwards and are like, dude, I mean, I respect the hell out of that. Thanks for, you know, being a breath of fresh air. And so it was cool, man. It, it was tough, but it ended up being the right thing to do. Cool. So then, <laughs> you then, um, then I went back to the drawing board and, um, you know, when you're, when you're inside your business, it's hard to see it from an objective view. Like when you're inside the bottle, you can't read the label on the outside kind of thing. Huh. And so, so I didn't know at the time that, Hey, you should help people with a podcast because you got a top ranked podcast. You know how to do that. You're interviewing celebrities. You know how to do that. You're growing your podcast downloads. You know how to do that. You just haven't monetized it yet. I mean, you're making a little bit of affiliate income here and there, but you could still help people with other areas. I didn't know that. And well, I went out to this event and spoke and he had me come back on a second day and said, can you just talk about podcasts? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. I could do that. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that people didn't know about podcasting. And so long story short, I put up a presentation. People's eyes were lighting up. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'm going to put out an offer for podcasting. Did that in March of 2019. Broke through. It I filled it up. Sold 15000 that month. Uh, by far more money I've ever made. And probably, probably close to the same amount of money I ever made in a, a year probably. <laughs> but uh, at that point. Uh, and it broke through. And it was like, I found my sweet spot. I'm like, yes. And so I just took that and ran with it. And eight months later, had a six-figure business out of doing that. Okay. So there are so many lessons in this whole journey. First <laughs> of all, don't give up. Amen. <laughs> That's number one, right? <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's key to winning. Not giving up is key. Yep. Um, number two, don't sell something that you don't believe in. If it doesn't feel right, it's not going to work. Your prospects are going to be able to feel that you feel weird. If you feel weird, your prospects feel weird. Just the incongruence bet, bet on that. Yeah. 
And then, I mean, aside from the whole like ethical, moral issue of it, you're just not going to succeed. <laughs> yeah. So tip number three is what is the thing that you're really good at that you don't realize that you're really good at, that other people want to be good at. And mm. actually Russell Brunson talks a little bit about this because he got his whole start with a potato gun. He created a potato gun and a DVD set on it. And, um, you know, he, in his funnel challenge is like, what is the thing that you are good at that, that you don't even realize? Even if it's like, I don't know, somebody was talking about finally deleting all of his emails. And I bet that people would want to pay someone to help them with that. Honestly, there's like thousands of emails in your inbox cluttering it. So anyway, um, you know, you had to go to a speaking event, which not everybody has the opportunity to do. So maybe another way to figure out what you're good at that other people would want to know is maybe ask some people around you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Like, like when you think of me, what do you think that I'm good at? Sales. Well, I'm, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you think that. But like, also, I meant that as like the rhetorical, like what other people should ask, not like actually asking you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So ask the people around you that question and you'll find out, you know, probably some answers that you weren't aware of. I have been branding and pushing out content on sales. So that I'm glad that it's resonating because right. that's what you thought of. Um, <laughs> I'm also really like marketing. So but, you know, that's another thing. You don't want to, like, <clears throat> do too many things. You do one or the other. So it, I think one of the reasons it really worked for you to do the podcast is it's, like, very specific. It's just this one thing. Right. Yeah. That right there. That, I would say, because I know it was one of the toughest things for me, and I feel like every single entrepreneur that I talk to that's in that phase that hasn't figured that part out yet, I feel like that's the hardest part to figure out is – your your niche because everybody wants to be everything to everybody you know what i mean and that's the worst thing to do especially when you're just starting out you got to go a mile deep versus trying to go wide and then you if you go a mile deep on something then you could start casting the net wide after you carve out the your piece of the market you know you it's so much better to be a small or a big fish in a smaller pond and you can actually stand out in versus trying to be a big fish or any fish in a, in a, in a big pond. It's just, you don't have the resources yet. You don't have the skills yet. So you got to go really, really deep. And I feel like that's one of the hardest things for people to figure out. It's like, well, my product can help anybody. Well, that's great. I love the enthusiasm, but let's get specific. Who yeah. can you best serve? Who, who will best resonate with your message? After you figure that out, who that person is, then you figure out the the irresistible offer that serves that person. After you lock in that offer that serves that person, the final piece is the creative copy that speaks the messaging that speaks to that audience with that irresistible offer. That's, that's the, that's just the simple blueprint. Everybody tries to overcomplicate things, but that's literally it right there. Well, and I think a lot of it, like I was talking to somebody earlier today, the specificity of a niche means that you understand their pain points in and out. And that is a big part of the reason I believe that it's so successful because your offer solves these specific pain points that your specific target has and your copy speaks to those specific pain points too. So it's like really knowing 
that audience so well and not having to say so many things that cover multiple audiences. You just have to talk to this one. Audience. Yeah. It's like you can, I can't remember who says it. It's either Jay Abraham or Dan Kennedy. I can't remember, but it's, uh, it's one of those for sure. He says, you got to be able to describe their problem better than they can. And when you can do right. that, you win. <laughs> so true. So how do you get people to rank really quickly? Is it about reviews? Is it about the celeb? How do you get the celebrities on the show? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I'll give you the blueprint right here as far as ranking. And when you hear it, you're like, it's so simple. And it's like, when, when I first heard, I was like, man, whatever. And then I did it and I was like, holy crap. Cause I got ranked. Like after I implemented it, got ranked the next day. I was like, holy shit, this is real. But, uh, <laughs> and then I went gung ho on it. Um, but it, here it is. There's literally only four metrics that matter as far as getting ranked on Apple. And we're talking about Apple because Apple dominate. They don't just own, they dominate the market as far as podcasting. They own over 80% of it. Um, so that's the one you want to focus on right now. Obviously you can build on it, Spotify a second, but, um, not saying neglect others, but let's focus on what, what, where you, where you need to be at. So Apple four metrics, and it's in this order, written reviews, ratings, subscribers, and downloads. Those are literally the only four metrics that Apple can quantify to see if people are responding to your podcast and if they should rank it in their systems. So when you're just starting out, you're lacking all those four metrics, obviously, but you're really, you know, you're going up against some other podcasts that have been in the game, maybe five, 10 years that have thousands, if not millions of monthly downloads. So if we go back to the four metrics, the rank order with written review, the reason why written reviews the most, because anybody can download, but they're taking the next step with you when they subscribe to you. And now they automatically start downloading. Then they take the next step by actually leaving you a rating, giving it a one or five star. And then they take the final step by actually taking their time and writing out a written review saying good things about you. That shows, you know, that's the reason why it's rank order that, that way. So if you focus on getting written reviews and people to subscribe, you cover all four metrics because if they leave you a written review, they automatically have to leave a rating. And if they subscribe, it automatically starts downloading. So that's the philosophy you ready for the process? Actually, yeah. What are you asking, friends, family? <laughs> yes. So um, most people, they'll, they'll launch a podcast and then they'll put it on social media. Oh, my God, my podcast is live. Go leave me a written review, blah, 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 blah. And that's cool. You should promote your podcast, but don't ask for the written review and all that stuff on a, on a Facebook post because nobody's coming on Facebook to, to listen to your podcast or to leave you a written review. And on top of that, it's a general message. It's not specific to anyone particularly. So this kind of goes hand in hand with sales. You got you to gotta interact and treat people online the same way you do offline. And most people really fuck up when it comes to that. And it's like they'll, they'll throw up on people. They'll skip the whole relationship building process and just go directly. They'll, they'll inbox people and send them a, a, a link or whatever and stuff without even interacting so yeah like, yeah so alicia if, if i came up to you at a party i was like and, and you don't you know me or whatever you just like see me you know like like you do on social media but we never like hung out and actually talked and i'm like hey alicia i got this podcast here here's a link go leave me a review you'd probably punch me in the throat if i just walked up to you at a party so you're talking about messaging random people 
that you don't know? No. So, um, but, but I was just giving this an example. So, uh, and I'm gonna give you the exact script because there's a script that we had that I've literally sent out over 4,000 times, no exaggeration. And that we have used with over 42 or exactly 42 clients with hundred percent success rate. But, but like if I just came with you at a party and didn't have any dialogue with you and just no, said, I feel like go fuck yourself. Right. You know? And so here's what you do. You, instead of making a generalized message, you reach out to people, DM them, whether you're on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, whatever. LinkedIn's real spammy, so I'd stay away from there because everybody, like, ugh. but uh, as far as like trying to get people to leave you a review because everybody's pitching stuff in there. Yeah. But uh, but uh, <laughs> you reach out, I'm like, uh, here's the exact script. I'm like, hey man, or hey dude, or, or hey Alicia, I got a huge favor to ask. And then I wait. I'm not copy and pasting this oh, message with a yeah. link. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, Hey, I got a huge favorite ass. We're having a dialogue. Now I'm giving you a chance to say, go fuck off or what's up, you know? <laughs> and then most people are like, yeah, sure. What's up? Or shoot. Or sometimes people will joke around and be like, oh shit, what do you want? You know, yeah. j- joke around. So, so we're having a dialogue now. And then you're like, what's up? And so I say, hey, can you subscribe to my podcast and leave a five-star review if I send you the link? And the three keys to that is the reason why the psychology and also the technical aspect of that can you subscribe to my podcast that's covering both metrics, subscribes and downloads and write a five-star written review. I say five-star written review because if you say, Hey, can you leave me a review? Um, sometimes people will leave you a good review. I've literally had somebody, uh, a client of mine where they asked for a review and they said good things about them, but they still gave them a one star because they didn't know a five star was oh, better than one. What? That's like common knowledge. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, not everybody knows that. Okay. So, uh, so, hey, can you leave a five-star review if I send you the link? Um, now you're covering both uh, the review and the ratings. And then finally, if I send you the link, that's just treating somebody like a real human being. You're saying, hey, if I do this, will you do that? Now you gave them two opportunities to say no to you without you shoving the link down their throat. And then, I, dude, people are going to be like, yeah, sure, no problem. Here's what you'll run into, though, if, they, if you don't get it. One, they don't have an iPhone. They don't have Apple. They have an Android. And if that's the case, you're just not getting a review. Yeah. That's, part, that's part of the game. Um, two, they'll be like, yeah, sure, I'll leave you a review, an honest review after I listen to the episode, which is awesome. Now you're getting them to engage with your podcast, which is exactly what you want. And then you could refer them to an episode. Or they'll be like, oh, cool, how do I leave a review? And then you can walk them through on actually how to leave them a review. Um, but that's it. Most of the time, they're going to be like, yeah, sure, no problem. Like, you know. You're just asking me to take 30 seconds to do this. And you actually took the time to conversate with me. And so the next reply is, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time to do this. And he dropped the link. And real quickly, the psychology behind that, I got this from the book. Have you ever read the book Influenced by Robert Cialdini? No, but I know of it. Oh, man, it's, 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 it's a pretty good one. Well, real quickly, uh, I think it's like the second or third chapter. It was talking about the uh, psychology behind consistency, commitment and consistency, which is if we say something publicly, if we make a commitment publicly, it's human nature to say consistent with what we say publicly. And he gave this example of this American uh, prisoner of war in Vietnam and the communism government. Micro commitments supporting the kind of those public announcements to the rest of their uh, uh, prisoners of war. So 
to take that, what you're doing here is you're saying, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking your time to do this. You're reminding them that they just committed to you publicly that they're going to leave you a review. And then you drop the link, which is the last thing they see like, oh, I need to go leave the review right now. And then they go do it. Boom, you got a written review. And, uh, and that's the process right there. Well, so do you offer to do anything in exchange? Zachary. The internet. The worst. Zachary. Can you hear me? Ah, the worst. Okay, I know we're limited on time. Do you offer to do anything in exchange? Huh? You offer to do anything for them? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, someone like, do I have a service offer or whatnot? No, after they leave the review. Oh, uh, I was like, what? I was like, what? I didn't know what you're asking. Yeah, um, no, I. You just ask them that, and then that's that's it, literally. And then after you, uh, after they leave you the written review, um, then you're good. And so here to give you an example. We literally have a hundred percent success rate with 42 clients that we've worked with using the same exact process, using that same exact script. And, um, I've seen, I've had clients like rock Thomas who've gotten ranked on Apple in less than 24 hours with five written reviews. If you go look at the I am uh, movement podcast and look in that first 24 hours, he has five written reviews on October 7th, uh, that day. And he was ranked by the end of that day using that same exact process. That's the fastest I've ever seen it done. Then we've had clients that uh, we say we can help you do this in five weeks or less. Every single client that we work with has done it in 48 hours or less. Andrew S. Kaplan is the longest I've seen it take. It took him less than 48 hours, but it took him 66 or 67 reviews. I can't remember exactly. 60 something. You could sit there and count them from the moment when he first got his first review up until like 60 something. You'll see it was uh, happening in a two day period. So it's literally like you will rank up if you just go and put the sweat equity in to actually getting people to review. And here's my final thing. If you cannot get people to leave you a written review for your podcast, then you probably shouldn't be podcasting and you definitely shouldn't be an entrepreneur because what you need to work on is believing in your podcast enough to get people to leave, to review it. Simple as that. I mean, I'm just going to, that's the harsh part of being real. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, can you do, is the crucial time to do that when you're launching it? Or would that still work after the thing's already launched? Like me, for example. Yeah. If you go do it right now, you'll get ranked in less than 24 hours. I used to only guarantee that for people just launching, but then we tested it enough with people that have already had existing podcasts, whether it was a few months old or a few year, years old. And it's, it works every time because it's, it's, it's literally how Apple sees people responding to uh, your podcast. And so they'll rank it. Now, Here's a caveat to it though. If you're just starting out and you don't have like a large uh, volume of downloads, you'll get the ranking, but you won't stay in there uh, for long until you over time consistently pump it with reviews and consistently grow your downloads and all that stuff. Um, but it's still ranked and you now have that title of being a top rated podcaster on Apple that nobody can ever take that from you. And you take that and you leverage that to get high level guests on your show, to get your audience hyped up and excited about your podcast. So really it's just that ranking is just leveraging that for positioning in the marketplace. 
All right. Well, that's awesome. You shared some real value. I really appreciate it. I do want to ask what are the major things for people that have not been to prison? I'm sure it was a extremely valuable learning experience, although difficult. What is something that you learned there that applies to the real world that maybe you would not have known if you had not been there that someone else could take away? Oh, wow. That is like a really good question that I don't think ever, anybody's ever asked me that before. Really? But really? For honestly, like what's a real valuable lesson that you learned in prison that you can apply to the real world? <sighs> that, uh, that is so good. I really got to think about that. So I could tell you like the greatest lessons I learned in there, but I also think you can learn them outside of prison. Does that count? Sure. Okay. Um, Cause that was a real, I would have to, have to think on that one. Uh, but the, one of the best lessons that I learned was um, that by taking complete ownership of everything gives you complete power. And what I mean by that is literally having the mindset of everything is my fault. Everything wrong is my fault. Everything right is my fault. And you might hear that and you might think like, well, that's not the case, man. Like uh, st stuff happens that you don't have any control over. I get it. Yeah. A tornado could come wreck your house, kill your family. God forbid that happens, but that shit could happen and you don't have any control over that. All right. But here's the deal. You can choose to be all bitter about it and be miserable and live the rest of your life in misery. Go out and kill people because of it or kill yourself, whatever, right? Do some dark shit. Or you could choose to internalize that pain and go out and do good things and help empower other people and build a business around like doing great things and helping other people maybe going through the same situations, whatever, whatever you decide to choose, that was your decision, which means you always had the power on how you respond to anything that ever happens to you in life. Nobody can ever, ever take that freedom from you. So get rid of any type of victim mentality mindset that you ever have. And you always had the power in your situation at any given time. That was probably one of the biggest uh, takeaways that I've gotten from prison. There's plenty more, but that definitely sticks out. Well, I really love the simplicity of saying everything you do right is your fault and everything you do wrong is your fault. I've definitely heard what you're saying before, but the way that you simplified it makes it so clear. <laughs> right on. So true. It's powerful. Okay. Well, that's a good stopping point for us. And so we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. This was the podcast where we learned um, lessons from prison, how to have a top rated podcast and how you can spend five years in prison and then have a six figure business. <laughs> so we've been talking with Zachary Babcock, the CEO and founder of underdog empowerment. He helps alpha entrepreneurs build celebrity brands and explosive businesses with a top branded podcast in five weeks or less. Thanks again to Zachary for making an appearance as our guest today. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. This was super awesome. And can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they can work with you? Yeah, the best place is absolutely the podcast, Underdog Empowerment. That's obviously what I'm really passionate about, obviously, because that's what my whole business is based on. But uh, yeah, you guys could check that out on uh, Underdog Empowerment on pretty much any platform that you listen to podcasts to. But to make it super simple for you guys, you can go to underdogempowerment.com. Right there on the homepage, you can scroll down a little bit and hit subscribe. Join on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, whichever you prefer to listen to podcasts on. I really hope to see you guys over there. Uh, and if you want to get more involved, there's plenty of opportunity throughout the website. Uh, Alicia, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate you. Okay. And finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening.
This has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast, where we show you how to put humanity in your sales and make a killing doing it.